0: From B Media Production, this is Business Essentials practical advice and ideas to grow your business. 76% of women believe that the way that they're portrayed in advertising is completely out of touch. So I think the way people are perceiving themselves and the way they're seeing themselves reflected in, for example, advertising, is um, there's a disconnect there. Now, you, 71% of men say the same thing. So it's not just women that are feeling that advertising sort of behind the
1: curve. That's Amy Fridland of research agency Kantar TNS. Welcome to Episode 28 of Business Essentials Podcast, brought to you with the support of Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors, Cummings Flavor McCormack. I'm Peter Letts. Yes, of course, there are differences between men and women. Not only is it okay to admit that, you might be missing out on sales if you don't recognise and cater for the different wants, needs and shopping behaviours between the sexes. That's according to Amy Fridland of Kantar TNS, one of the world's largest research agencies in customer and shopping habits. A one-size-fits-all approach to business has meant toilet seats, prosthetic limbs and steering wheels are oversized for many women because they were designed for the average male. Amy says you first need to educate yourself on the differences between your female and male consumers before selling effectively to the sexes. First, she tells Chris Ashmore how women feel they're portrayed in advertising these days.
0: 76% of women believe that the way that they're portrayed in advertising is completely out of touch. So I think what we can deem is that the way people are perceiving themselves and the way they're seeing themselves reflected in, for example, advertising, is um, there's a disconnect there. Now, mind you, 71% of men say the same thing. So it's not just women that are feeling that advertising is sort of behind the curve, but a study of advertising that just came out from the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media and JWT's Innovation Group, they reported that in advertising, there's twice as many male characters typically than female characters. They reported that men get about three times as much airtime They're given about three times as much dialogue.
2: Well, is it all industries or all market sectors that are getting it wrong um, with marketing to women? And if so, which sectors? And, And do you have any examples?
0: Well, in Australia, I think some of the stereotypes about automotive manufacturers and personal transport, I guess you'd include in that as well financial services, sporting equipment retailers, electronics. uh, I think there's some validity that they're still a little bit behind the curve. From what I can see, in general, and there's marketed differences between brands in those sectors, but in general they seem to be further behind compared to some other consumer categories, I'd say, when it comes to meeting the needs, for example, of females. And I say meeting the needs of females because the advertising is just one aspect of this. It's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, So across touch points, whether we're talking about advertising, social media, in-store environment, customer service, or the product itself. I mean, let me give you a perfectly good example. I sit down here and pop on these headphones, and they actually don't fit me. I'm having to hold them with both my hands to my ears because they're too big. And I'm a world average size female. I mean, I've literally, I've measured myself. If I lie down in the middle of the road, I'm the same size as that little crosswalk person. A great example is Uber, and that's certainly been in the media a lot right now. And, you know, they failed to meet the needs of female riders who, you know, let's say, wanted greater, assurance of safety and they missed the business opportunity because they weren't listening and that's left them open for competition.
2: Where do these gender and cultural biases come from?
0: These cultural biases come from everyday life. They're the things that we live with every day, the culture, the social structures, the people, our interactions, it all adds up and we're all skewed in one way or another subconsciously. You know, I know that I've taken some implicit elicitation tests and I'm biased against women, but that's part of the culture I was raised in. And I certainly wouldn't harbor those opinions consciously, but we're products of our environment. And I I don't think it's about, you know, a blame game. It's just about seeing what we can do to change the world in these little ways so that when I sit down and pop on a pair of headphones, it fits.
2: (laughs) Well, can you tell us a bit about the study that your company, Kenta TNS, conducted into the issue of conscious and unconscious gender bias? Can you tell us a bit about the results?
0: We looked at fast food brands in Australia because it's a category that's got a largely 50-50 split, male-female, when it comes to usage. And we did find that women and men both feel that many of the Australian fast food brands aren't meeting their needs in various ways. One in particular was actually Subway. Women rated it particularly low across touch points when they were primed for gender. Our research suggests that they're at risk of losing, say, $225 million US dollars just in Australia, a result of not meeting the needs of women better. And, you know, that's a brand that we think of as being a brand that's well-liked by women. What
2: is it about the inside environment and the the food, I suppose, that is not um, catering to women?
0: We're not sure exactly. Um, We need to do a little bit more research about that. But just based on the open-ended responses and some of the indications that we're getting, it's that perhaps it's not quite as healthy as it's portrayed to be. And women are interested in foods that are, are particularly healthy. You know, perhaps it's about the uh, high carbohydrate content of some of their meals. You know, they're all sandwich based. I would say with the in-store environment, that was something that both men and women are somewhat dissatisfied with. The in-store environment is not one where you care to linger. It's not a place where um, you sit down and have a relaxing meal. And I think the organization would be fairly aware of that, that it's a place that you go in, you grab your sandwich and you pretty much leave. But I think, you know, there are other places that are doing that better. For example, McDonald's seems to be, um, its in-store environment perhaps is better with certain segments and certain cohorts compared to some other brands we looked at.
2: Well, you've written articles about a principle called designing to the edges. Can you explain what does that term mean and how can it be applied to marketing?
0: Yeah, it's a concept from product innovation and design thinking, yeah, that inspiration is derived from the needs of people at one extreme to make things better for everybody. We like to look at individuals in a TNS as opposed to averages. And so design at the edges is about leveraging an insight from one group that informs about people more broadly, um, leaning to sort of more expansive improvements. And it's quite demanding on design. So you push design to be more inclusive as opposed to exclusive. And it always means that you know, for example, gender improvements avoid the trap of being a zero-sum game. You know, advocating for one gender doesn't have to mean alienating the other.
2: And do you have any examples of businesses which are able to understand the design to the edges principle and market effectively to the different sexes?
0: Yeah, I would say businesses, some of the classics, you know, like IKEA, Apple, Unilever's making a lot of changes in this regard, so is Disney a lot with some of their storylines. There are lots of brands out there where gender is sort of a non-issue in the sense that they don't make a big deal of it, but yet they do things that make sense and make men and women happy.
2: Well, using IKEA as an example, um, how do they
0: target both sexes? If you look at their store environment, even, they allow you to either wander through the store and have an immersive experience um, through time, be able to see products in situ, how they might look aesthetically. And I think that certainly would play to the more feminine sensibilities and but it also plays to men so if a man knows that hey i want that chair or i want that couch he can go right to the pick and pack at the end of the line and grab what he wants and not only is there a name for it which might satisfy a more feminine sensibility but there's a number for that product so a guy can go it's one one two two four six eight nine
2: Well, for businesses wanting to take advantage of the opportunities that Designing to the Edges offers, what's your advice?
0: Yeah, it's a little bit challenging. I mean, this is sort of new territory. You'd think this would be old school. Um, You know, it's the most basic elemental segmentation one could do, men and women. But realizing that gender differences exist, uh, starting to educate yourself on what those general gender differences are, and then making gradual changes you know, with the brand and with the organization to try to migrate to a new space, understanding where it is that then you want to be, and realizing it has to be a gradual change. And You know, in order to change the organization, it requires looking at everything from all the touch points, looking at the product itself, looking at what it is that you decide to design in the first place, looking at, you know, how it's sold, looking at that in-store environment, examining all these different touch points, not just the advertising, to figure out better ways to design these things to the edges, uh, to be more like those Ikeas of the world. And then, of course, you know, they have to monitor it consistently. You know, gender norms change. These things are not immutable, and brands need to do a better job of keeping up with people, really.
1: Amy Fridland, Cantar TNS. And that ends Business Essentials Podcast, proudly brought to you with the support of chartered accountants and business advisors Cummings, from McCormack. So you don't miss out on future episodes, why not subscribe? And if you found this valuable, we'd love you to leave a review. For further information about us, or if you'd like to listen to more interviews like this one, visit businessessentials.com.au. We hope you've enjoyed Business Essentials Podcast. I'm Peter Letts. Thanks for listening.
0: This Business Essentials Podcast has been produced by B Media Production. Building engagement and adding value through quality audio communication.